I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, Brendan Boylan here, host of the Who Dat Discussion podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming back and listening week in and week out as we continue to navigate what's truly been one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting, season in the Sean Payton era. I have seen numbers tremendously jump over the last few months, so I just wanted to take a second to thank each and every one of you for taking time out of your day, week in and week out, to just hear me talk about the New Orleans Saints. And of course, if you guys don't already, head over to si.com forward slash NFL forward slash saints make sure you subscribe to us over there at the saints news network myself john Hendricks, bob rose kyle t mosley bringing you guys up to date saints news and rumors every day uh we really enjoy it over there so if you guys don't already head over to si.com forward slash nfl forward slash saints or if you need something a little easier to remember because that can be a lot even for me uh, just head to saints.media we'll bring you right to our page. Well, today I have a special guest. You can see him on the right if you're watching, uh, if you're listening. Of course, uh, I have the OG, Andrew Galata. Uh, he's been joining us almost every other week this season as I've kind of taken over hosting duties, at least for the 2021 year. Uh, Andrew, since the last time we talked, there has been a lot going on for the New Orleans Saints. And I want to get all of your thoughts as we talk about The Saints' last two weeks, back-to-back losses. We're going to talk Saints-Eagles. We're going to talk about injuries. All that and more coming up after you hear the intro. All things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Powered by Overtime Media. All right, Andrew, so the last time we talked to you, Jameis Winston was still the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, and it feels like it's been a roller coaster uh, since then, right? Trevor Simeon's been the guy for the last two weeks. A lot of people expected it to be Taysom Hill. Uh, That hasn't been the case, whether that was because of injury or whether that was because Sean really did uh, like Trevor Simeon to be in that spot over Taysom. Who knows? But we have a lot to talk about, and – before we jump into like who's to blame for the last two losses, because I think there's a lot of different people that should rightfully so be taking some heat for the for the Saints losses. Before we jump into Saints versus Eagles, I want to talk about this injury report. Uh, we're recording this Thursday evening Eastern time, and uh, the second injury report of the week has dropped, and seven Saints did not practice today and of course the big ones Alvin Kamara after being limited on Wednesday did not participate on Thursday and both starting tackles for the New Orleans Saints the best tackle duo in the entire NFL and Tyron Armstead who missed last week and now Ryan Ramchep on the injury report lots going on for a Saints offense that is already stagnant uh 
you and I, before we started recording, talked about this could be easily the worst offense of the Sean Payton era. What are your thoughts on everything going on in Saints world? Because the injury bug continues to bite the black and gold. Oh man, it's been a roller coaster <laughs> for the last few weeks. You beat the Bucks. You're five and two. You, you feel pretty good, I guess. I mean, not only I, I think to make the playoffs, but you're feeling good. Like maybe this team could contend, you know, and kind of feel like maybe we're at still at that level where you could still contend. And then the last two weeks, a few big bumps in the road with obviously the losses to the the Falcons and Titans, and obviously the injuries are another thing that just keep on compiling. Like you said Kamara the tackles, everything. And also Tano Passanio, who has been really good. Another guy I kind of want to put the spotlight on because he's been really good in that Saints defensive line. Obviously, Marcus Davenport is kind of, you know, been that best guy right now. And he's kind of kind of stolen the show a bit. But Passanio is another guy. If you miss him, Malcolm Roach, another. Like, there's just so many players that did not practice for the Saints. And it really is worrisome. And, you know, if you're the Saints, you kind of feel like this is a must-win game against the Eagles. I mean, I know we'll get into it, but it just feels like this game is very, very winnable. And compared to your next two games where you play the Bills and Cowboys, those are a lot less winnable when you're looking at uh, those teams and the strengths of what they pose. So it's it's, it's definitely going to be a challenge this week. And you just look at these last few weeks, it's been a challenge to, you know, have successful plays and put wins on the board, which they haven't been able to do. Well, the New Orleans Saints, the top scoring team in the NFL in the fourth quarter. And, and <laughs> a lot of that is because they've had to be. Uh, just to be in games, you look at the game against Atlanta, uh, down 18, going into the fourth quarter. They actually take the lead with a minute and one second left just to have it disappear moments later as Matt Ryan connected with Cordero Patterson for a 60-plus yard gain. And uh, Young Way Koo, I mean, what can you say about a Pro Bowl kicker? You just expect yeah. him to, to make that one. I do want to touch on kickers, though, for the yeah. New Orleans Saints as we move into our topics of who is to blame for the couple of losses the New Orleans Saints have suffered back-to-back weeks? I think it's really easy to point your finger uh, at Johnson, the kicker for New Orleans, with what's been a carousel of kickers for the Saints this season. He misses two extra points, and if he had made those two extra points, the Saints are just kicking a third extra point uh, yeah. and, and taking the lead late in the game against Tennessee. So, Outside of, of Johnson and the kicking woes, and that's a whole other topic we will jump into, uh, if you had to pick one person or one position uh, where the Saints could easily point the finger uh, towards some of these losses, where are you pointing that finger? I'm not going to do it to one player. You just can't do that. I don't think it is one player. Like, I mean, and you look at, I think the Falcons game, I think it was more of kind of a shared blame on a lot of different areas. I don't think the defense played too great in that game either. I thought the Titans game, and I think Sean Payton felt the same way, where it was just like that was a very winnable game, and they let it slip away in a lot of different areas. I mean, when you look at positions and position groups, you've turned right to the receivers. I think if you, you know, obviously special teams haven't been great, and the Saints haven't been great in the margins these last few games, it felt, which is why they, I feel like they've lost those games. But the receivers, I mean, it, it's so blaring that they're the worst receiving core in the NFL. And, you know, there's some – you know, not so good receiving corps in the NFL when you look at some other teams. But when you look at the Saints one, it's nothing against the guys that are taking the field, but just, you know, it kind of just shows that Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis kind of failed to always look at the receiving position. And when they have, they haven't hit on the position. And now without Michael Thomas, maybe it felt like you were going to get him. And now he's not coming. OBJ, that whole saga, which, you know, um, was also another thing that happened over the last few weeks. 
that's he's not coming. That's not going to happen. So it just feels like a position where you kind of just shake your head and just like, how are we going to get open against, you know, some of the, the the top talent or top talent on a team, not even the top talent in the league, top talent on a team. And it's just really tough to move the ball. I mean, hats off to Trevor Simeon, who I thought has played basically as good as you can ask him to play, especially with all the weapons around him. And when you don't have Alvin Kamara, which it's trending towards, you know, we didn't have him last week, but looking like you're trending towards, you're not going to have him again. So it's tough when you don't have any weapon. When your best weapon right now is, you know, 30 plus year old Mark Ingram and nothing against Mark Ingram, but right now he's the best weapon that the Saints have. And that's just maybe Deontay Harris, but you know, you can kind of compare those two, but that is a really, really, you know, tough get for this offense. You and I had talked about it before the season. We both felt that the Saints were going to struggle offensively without Michael Thomas. But to your point, the expectation was for Thomas to come back. And now there's no Michael Thomas, the 2019 Offensive Player of the Year. There's no Alvin Kamara, at least last week. And as you said, potentially trending towards a uh, missing a second consecutive week against the Eagles as he didn't practice on Thursday I don't think there's a lot of teams in the league that would find success if you take away an yeah. offensive player of the year and then you take away what Alvin Kamara could easily be an offensive player of the year just about any season he's played in the NFL. Truly uh, a top three running back in the league. I think if you take uh, Derrick Henry, maybe Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy and, and Alvin Kamara, I mean, you could make a case for any three of those guys to be the best running back in football. I don't think a lot of teams would find success, but I'm with you in terms of if you had to pick one positional group, I will say receivers and tight ends. You know, I think they kind of go hand in hand. You said you didn't want to single anybody out. I kind of singled out a kicker already, so I might as well single out another guy. Uh, Adam Troutman, who is a guy that I really expected to make a big jump uh, this season, even going back to some of my work with the Saints News Network. Uh, I had an article that was titled something along the lines of, uh, will the big fish be a big catch in fantasy this year? And I thought he was a potential really big fantasy sleeper with a guy like Jameis Winston, his size uh, in the red zone, talking about Adam Troutman. And uh, he hasn't performed. Whether you look at the drop passes, which I said in one article was inexcusable against Atlanta. If, no, you, penalty. Yeah, if you look at the false start against Tennessee, that goes from, uh, you know, uh, regular two point conversion from the two and you have to back up all the way to the seven, your, your playbook changes. Uh, it becomes a lot smaller. Drastically. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a couple camera shots and the Fox crew did a, did a good job of getting uh, just Peyton chewing them out on the sideline. And I think uh, even the post game remarks from Sean Payton saying they're going to have to look at positional groups and, and who needs to be out there and who deserves playing time. Again, I, I don't, I don't want to single one guy out, but it certainly felt like Sean was talking about Adam Troutman. And you and I have talked about it before. I've talked about it here on the podcast, and I used Marquez Callaway as an example. Uh, anytime you ask a guy in his second season, particularly after a first rookie campaign where you weren't asked to do a whole lot, you know, you look at Callaway, yes, had a, a really impressive rookie campaign, excited a lot of people here in New Orleans, but he only had 21, 22 catches didn't surpass 300 yards, didn't find the end zone as a rookie. I said making that jump from being that guy, like option four, to being option two was a big jump for an undrafted free agent who was still getting his feet wet in the league, right? I think it still goes that way for Adam Troutman, though he was a third-round pick. Jared Cook was the guy. And while some Saints fans have some mixed feelings about Jared Cook, he's having an okay year out in I'll take Jared Los Cook Angeles. right now. With uh, <laughs> lots of people would, 
but he's uh, he's having a good year out out with the Chargers. Uh, he's he's been a guy that I, I watch week to week in fantasy because just tight ends are so difficult this year in fantasy football. Um, but he was the guy for New Orleans last year, and he he had some big catches for the Saints in 2020. So it wasn't Troutman's role, and even he, there was even a guy between Troutman and Cook, Josh Hill was there who who's been such a critical piece of what the saints had done over the last few years. So Troutman was also making a fairly large jump into a starting role. And that can be difficult. And while I said some of the things that have happened over the last few weeks, particularly for Troutman have been inexcusable. You do have to keep in mind him Callaway, even Harris, you could throw in there because he hasn't had a lot of experience at receiver at an NFL level. Those are also, big jumps and especially for, a tight end. I mean, a tight end's a hard position to learn in the NFL, which is why I thought Troutman. I mean, I think everyone wanted to make the big jump, but it, it, at some point it may be a little unfair for him to go from a guy that was really a blocking tight end to a guy that's going to be your number one receiving option. I mean, that's, that, that, that's a tough ask for a guy from Dayton coming from FCS play where it's just, a, it's a huge jump. If you were coming from Alabama to the NFL at the tight end position, but to do it and then from Dayton, it's even a bigger jump, I think. And again, I, it's hard for a lot of the, which was why you kind of have to put it towards your coaching and um, you know, your front office for not getting the veteran depth, not getting the Jared cook. And a lot of that had to do with, with uh, the the salary cap and why they couldn't have done that. Well, and and also Nick Vanette, a veteran tight end that they had signed. He's been, been you know, he's been practicing coming back soon. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, a lot of people expect him to be back last week, but uh, I, w- I would look for Vanette to potentially be back for the New Orleans Saints this week. But yeah, you, you had to thrust a guy into a position, and I-, I think it's really easy to point towards the receivers. We even talked about guys like Kevin White, a guy that we're both rooting for. I mean, uh, super talented guy out of West Virginia, top 10 pick by the Chicago Bears, and then had every injury you could possibly <laughs> have. Uh, in your NFL career. And so to see him come back and officially be on the 53-man roster, I mean, you have to applaud the guy for the uh, resiliency to even continue to keep fighting. You know, this guy this guy hadn't caught a pass since like 2018, uh, before just a few weeks ago. But even, even some of his drops, you could say, oh, the ball placement wasn't perfect. The ball placement wasn't great. You know, he had to turn and try to make a catch. But at the same time, looking at the beginning of the season, who would have thought Kevin White was going to be a guy that played 25, 30% of your offensive snaps? When he's your wide receiver, you know, things are going wrong. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing against Kevin White. There's nothing against Marquez Callaway. There's nothing against Deontay Harris, because I do think the Saints have talent in the receiving room. But again, it becomes extremely difficult when you expected to have Mike Thomas. You expected I mean, to have even like even Callaway twenty. Right now he's got twenty five catches, three hundred forty six yards, five touchdowns. We're about halfway through the season. I mean, if he would, I mean, obviously context is everything. But if Michael Thomas is in the line, especially coming off of his rookie year, like as you said, he wasn't that that big time you know receiver. So I mean, like I don't think he's having to, like to you know really an awful year like i think he's been solid i'd say i mean yes he's not been this you know michael thomas but nobody expected him to come in here and be michael thomas replacement i don't think anybody on this roster can just replace michael thomas one for one and you can kind of go down the list like deontay harris another guy i think they've had solid seasons 
but they don't have another guy that can fit into Michael Thomas' spot. And when you're putting up number one corners against a guy like Callaway or a guy like Harris or a guy like Traquan Smith, you see big, you see big, big issues, especially when the ball placement isn't Drew Brees like and you're only getting Trevor Simeon kind of ball placement. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, looking at some stats in terms of like accuracy, drop passes, uh, pass ex- uh, catch expectancy, especially uh, New Orleans had been in like the top five for the last 10 years. And a lot of that has to do with the fact you had the most accurate quarterback of all time. The Saints towards the bottom of the league this year in that category, whether that was with Jameis, whether it was any passes that Taysom has thrown this year or with Trevor Simeon. Uh, And I think a lot of Saints fans took for granted uh, how great Drew Brees, even in his latter years, was and how valuable he truly, truly is. Uh, But on that note, we're going to take a quick break before we continue. Uh, We're going to talk about just – is there an overreaction to the Saints two-game losing streak? We're going to talk some Saints-Eagles. Of course, we're going to touch on those injuries once again. For you guys, you're listening to the Houdat Discussion Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, guys. Well, we talked about who to point the finger at, who's to blame. Right there at the end, we talked about you know catch expectancy, uh, expectancy rates and how the Saints are towards the bottom of the league after being towards the top of the league uh, with the Drew Brees years, the 15 years he spent with the New Orleans Saints. So I want to jump into this. And the, these things kind of go hand in hand. So we'll start with the first question. I'll, I'll transition to the second. The first question being, 
are New Orleans Saints losses, particularly these last two, is there an overreaction because there was so much momentum coming off of the Bucks win? As you mentioned earlier in the podcast, five and two, the Saints were beating the Bucks uh, with a backup quarterback, you know, with injuries throughout the lineup. And then the Saints has sputtered a little bit. Is there an overreaction to these losses? And is there an overreaction to the play of Trevor Simeon? Lots of people calling for Taysom Hill uh, to take over the quarterback role. Do you feel that Simeon has done enough to prove to you that, hey, I can be the starting quarterback the rest of the way? First, first about over the last two losses, and I definitely wanted to hit this because, and I said a little bit, but I want to definitely get into it more about, I feel like these last two losses have really been in the margins. And this team... When they were winning, they were winning in the margins. They were doing the little things right. And now you see that kind of the little things not going their way, whether it's Atlanta, back-to-back two-point conversions, you miss both. You go to, you know, you, you play last week, you miss the extra points, you miss the two-point the two point conversion to lose that game. You, you lose two kind of heartbreak-type games. And the penalties, you could talk about that. The refs kind of not going in your favor yet again, but you kind of expect that as a New Orleans Saints fan and New Orleans Saints player. But, you know, that's something you have to talk about as well. And it's just, I think the losses in the margins were not happening earlier in the season. You were getting wins in the margins. That Seahawks game was an ugly win, but they won it. The Patriots game was ugly, but they won. The Washington football team win was an ugly win, but they won. And I I feel like right now you just lost two games that were ugly that you probably would have won earlier in the season. Now, I don't know if that's an overreaction and there's cause for overreaction there. I mean, I would say that this team is probably going to be fine. I still think they'll probably be a 9-10 to 10 win team, like I said, at the beginning of the season. And I think they're going to go to the playoffs and we'll kind of take it from there. I think everything after that's gravy. But I think this team, when they're playing the Eagles and those types of teams, I think they're going to go out and be able to win in the margins again. I just don't think this team, I think they're too well coached. I think Sean Payton is going to, like he talked about the personnel changes. I think he's going to make these changes. They'll be ready to play against the Eagles. And I think they'll go out there and get a hard fought win in Philadelphia. And I just think that this team will go onto the right track. And when you talk about Trevor Simeon, T-Dot is like to call him. I think that's his new nickname. And I think he's played outstanding to be in. Obviously he's not like this top five QB, but what you've asked of him to do, he's done everything. Like I have no, you know, anything from Trevor Simeon, I have no complaints about. And, you know, he's not going to be at that level where, you know, Drew Brees was or even Jameis Winston was. And I think he's actually done things better than Jameis Winston in the short passing game, which, you know, is kind of, I think, interesting when you look at how the Saints, I think, have been able to move the ball a little bit more with Trevor Simeon, which I think is interesting. Now, I think when you look at the big plays, obviously not there when it was with Winston. This offense reminds me more of that Drew Brees style of offense when they're moving down the field kind of a little more, um, you know, just methodical with the short passing game. So that's definitely something interesting, but I think Simeon's played well. I think this team, they've played really hard. You played a a Tennessee team. That's number one in the AFC right now. They're the one seed. You played them really close in their place and you should have won the game. So I think the saints are a good football team. I think they're solidified in there as a playoff team. I think this game means a lot because if they lose to the Eagles, I think you kind of see the wheels start to fall off. But if they beat the Eagles, you're in at six and four at the 10 game mark. And, you know, you're heading into two tough games at home and you, you're feeling a lot better. I think if you can go on the road and, and get this win against the Eagles. 
Well, to your point, I remember all the way back uh, when Trevor Simeon first began as a starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And not that there was Drew Brees-like comparisons per se, but his accuracy was something that really stuck out to me in the short passing game. And I thought, well, you know, this could be a guy that would fit the New Orleans system particularly well. And I think he has played well. And to your point, he's not being asked to be Drew Brees. He's not being asked to be Jameis Winston. If anything, the closest comparison you're going to find is what Teddy Bridgewater did. Well, he was in New Orleans. Just manage the game. Yeah. And Teddy had some good games in New Orleans. And obviously, you know, even the faults that Teddy had and still has in, in his NFL career were kind of brushed under the rug because the Saints went 5-0 and and they, they had such an outstanding team. Now you have a Saints team that is depleted because of injuries, depleted because of the salary cap issues at the beginning of the season. But Trevor Simeon has been a great game manager, and I'm with you at this point. I have no complaints for what Simeon has done for this team. I think that he has done everything he's been asked to do. I think he certainly earned the right to start the remainder of the season. And, you know, here's the other thing is Trevor's playing for his next contract too. All of the quarterbacks on the Saints roster, with the exception of Ian Book, are free agents at the end of the year. That's Jameis. That's Trevor. And that's Taysom. All these guys are playing for their next contracts. And, and I think Trevor has is, is played particularly well. Uh, I believe he was top five. I know you're the pro football focus guy <laughs> out of the two of us, but I believe he was top five by pro football focus last week in terms of quarterbacks. You, you can't ask for much more out of a guy who was really a third string quarterback in week one of the season. What are we in week 11 now? Uh, and you have Trevor Simeon at quarterback. You're five and four. You're above water. And he's hasn't been the issues. We've talked about how, you know, the receivers and the skill position groups, the issue. I mean, you know, I, I guess some people have been talking about Trevor Simeon, but for the most part, it's been, you know, the guys catching the ball, not the guy throwing the ball. And yes, there have been plays here and there, or maybe the reads weren't exactly right. But as you said, Brandon, about PFF grades, I mean, Trevor Simeon last week was the number two Saints player on offense in pro football focus that was obviously really good and you know over 75 grade and that's obviously another good sign for him and he's a guy that I think just kind of knows what he's doing he's playing within the system really well and I think that comparison with Teddy Bridgewater is really really good Um, I haven't actually heard a lot about that but that I think he just plays really smart plays within the system and when you look at obviously hasn't thrown an interception right now five touchdowns no picks over 700 yards and you know about two and three quarters of a game and I think that, you know, he's looked, I think, better than what you would have expected. I think probably better than even, you know, Taysom Hill would have gave you. And when we saw Taysom Hill in these four games, it looks like the offense is just, it, it looks just easier with Trevor Simeon than it did with Taysom Hill. It looks more just methodical. And I feel like with Hill, the big plays aren't as frequent when it is like a guy like Jameis Winston. So I, I, I do feel like Simeon is right now been good. I trust him going forward. I think a lot of that also has to do with your defense playing at a very, very high level. And, you know, they've been, I think, outstanding, which, you know, we haven't talked about a lot, but that's because they're playing really good and they deserve a ton of credit to the way they've been playing. So, again, I I, I trust Simeon and we'll see how he does against the good teams and the big games. But as of now, he look, he played a good team against Tennessee and, you know, almost 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, you know, over 100 QB, uh, QB rating, so... I mean, that's basically as good as you can get, I feel, if you're looking at a third-string QB, as you said. 
Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think what you said too earlier about it just feeling more like a Sean Payton, Drew Brees type of offense and, and finding those intermediate and short passes. It's definitely with Simeon, though the offense has struggled, don't get me wrong, it looks a little bit more New Orleans Saints-like, which I'm fairly interested in. It's maybe a way too early question. But as I mentioned, everybody's a free agent except Ian Book. Is Ian Book going to be the guy uh, moving forward, a guy that – was very successful at Notre Dame in those short intermediate patterns. It's going to be interesting to see. And uh, I've talked about it before as well. Sean Payton very rarely names players throughout the draft process, but he named Ian book as a guy he liked. And that should have been a, a very telling sign before the draft that the saints were, were keying in on getting Ian book. So we'll see what comes of that. Moving into our final segment before we let you go, I want to talk a little bit Saints-Eagles, want to get some predictions. Uh, so I ask you this, when you look at the New Orleans Saints Week 11 matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, up there from Lincoln Financial, who's a player to watch for the New Orleans Saints in this game? Who's a player to watch for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in this game? And what's your score prediction? I think this game, I don't know if this is a player, but I just think – especially what the Eagles do running the ball. It's going to be how the Eagles run the ball and how the Saints stop it. It's going to be strength on strength. Last game, the Eagles, I think we, it's a very forgettable game if you're a Saints fan because the Eagles, you know, just Jalen Hurts' first start in a big game for them to kind of open up his era and they just shock the Saints at home and they get a big win in Taysom Hill's last start of last season. And that was really the reason the Saints didn't get the one seed last year. And who knows what would have happened if the Saints would have ended up winning this game and end up getting the one seat. So again, that game I think is still in the backs of a lot of fans. And I think players minds of how the Eagles really controlled that game on the grounds. The saints haven't given up a hundred yard rusher going into that game in like forever. And then the Eagles have 200 yard rushers with Jalen hurts. And then also miles Sanders, miles Sanders won't be playing in this game. So, you know, you could talk about a guy like Boston Scott, who is familiar to saints fans. And uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, maybe for him, it's like going to be a big game playing against his old team. Jordan Howard's kind of a veteran that's stepped in for uh, Sanders. But I just feel like it's going to be that rushing attack for the Eagles. They're probably not going to try to fool you. They're going to try to run the ball off a of play action. You look at what they're trying to do with um, Devontae Smith, uh, who they got out of Alabama. But their first pick, Dallas Goddard, who's been outstanding. We'll see if he plays in this one. Uh, but that just feels like if the Saints can control the line of scrimmage on defense. So, if you want to pick a player, I'd say anybody on that defensive line, if they step up and have a big game, which I expect them to do, I think the Saints are, are going to be able to control this Eagles offense. And I think the Saints will do just enough on offense to get it done. And for myself, I'm with you in terms of the running game, but I'm going to flip it on the other side and say the run game for the New Orleans Saints is going to be so crucial, especially with question marks on the offensive line, as I mentioned earlier. It's Ron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek uh, did not practice on Thursday. So I think there's going to be a lot on Mark Ingram. Obviously there's question marks if Alvin Kamara is going to play. I think at this point, the assumption is he probably will not play, but there's going to be a lot on Mark Ingram. Remember uh, Tony Jones Jr. has uh, been designated IR. Saints have three weeks to do so. Could be this week, could be next week, could be the week after that. But I think a lot rides on on Mark Ingram. And I think uh, there's, there hasn't been a whole lot talked about in terms of how valuable Ingram and Kamara have been to Trevor Simeon in this process. You know, the quarterback's best friends of the running game. So I think New Orleans uh, running the ball effectively is 
going to be super important. And I think winning the battle on that offensive line that's banged up, you could potentially be – think about this. You could be potentially without three starters on the offensive yeah. line with Andrews <laughs> Pete, you know, being out for what many assume is the entire season and potentially both tackles. So I think what the offensive line's able to do in terms of giving time to Simeon and also creating some of those holes for Mark Ingram is going to be crucial. You said at the very beginning, you know, you I don't like throwing around – the saying must win a whole lot. I don't think you do either, but this does definitely feel like the saints want to be a playoff team. This is a must win type of a game. Would you agree with that? Oh, I can. It it has to do with the schedule. Like I completely agree with it because when you look at the schedule in the next few games, you know, if you don't win this one, you're at 500, the bills come to new Orleans and you know, that can go either way. The bills have had some struggles of late. They just blew out the jets. But before that, you know, they've had their struggles lost to the Jaguars. So it's a winnable game for the Saints, but they're a great team. And it wouldn't surprise me if Josh Allen goes into a dome environment and just lights it up. I wouldn't be surprised at that. And Trevor Simeon, you're not going to ask him to throw in a shootout with Josh Allen. I could see a similar thing happening against Dallas the following Thursday night. So if you lose this one, what makes you say you're not going to lose the next two? And it's not looking good. So if you win this game, you're at least through that two-game stretch, you're guaranteed at least being 6-6, six and six, 500, with your head above water. And I feel like the Saints, you know, they have a good chance of winning one of those games. But I think this gives you the security that even if you lose both, you're still in a good shape to make the playoffs. And it just feels like it's a winnable game against a team that probably won't be in the playoffs, against a rebuilding team with a young quarterback. this um this eagles offense and i think that's what's going to end up happening i mean i I know we always get into score positions so i'll just jump the gun on that i think the saints win i want to say like 20 to 14 i i feel like it's gonna be a defensive slug it out game up here you know in the northeast philadelphia and it's going to be the one of those types games and i think the saints are going to be able to get it done and I, i think they come out of lincoln financial with a w i'm with you i think the saints do just enough i think any I don't know. I want to say for the rest of the season by any means, but for a little bit here, it feels like the Saints are going to have to win, win ugly, win defensive matchups. Uh, And any time the Saints can get 21 or more, I think they're in a good spot with with how well the defense has been. So, Which is such a luxury. Oh, it's the first time in years you've been able to say that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a luxury to have this defense. And, you know, I I honestly feel bad for them these last few weeks because they've played outstanding and you have two losses, especially last week of how good the Tennessee offense is. I know even without uh, Derrick Henry, there's Tannehill and what their receiving corpse has done. They really lit it up and that defense played a really solid game. And you felt like against one of the best teams in the AFC, you should have won. That's why it just feels like this team is still right there. I mean, I feel like this team could win any game or lose any game. I just feel like they win this one ugly. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. I'm going to take the saints by the score of 24 to 20. I think they do just enough to squeak by. Uh, did want to touch because you talked about the Titans and and how well their offense has been. I wanted to just take a moment to highlight uh, A.J. Brown, who came out and talked about his mental health today, uh, even contemplating suicide last season. Uh, it, it's just a – and you know how big I am on mental health. Uh, so for players to continue to kind of end the stigma and and – You've had him on the podcast. I've had him on my podcast. Our our friend Delvin Bro talked about it uh, a couple times with me over the last uh, year and a half, and especially since his book came out. 
there is this stigma when you are a athlete, when you are a black athlete, a black male, that, you know, mental health is not something that gets talked about. Um, and for guys like Delvin, for guys like Dak Prescott, for guys like A.J. Brown, uh, guys like Hayden Hurst uh, of the Atlanta Falcons, for guys like that who are in prominent positions in the spotlight are the definition of a quote-unquote manly man, you know, big NFL guy. To come out and, and talk about those things, I think are like super ultra important. And I just wanted to take a moment to highlight that and and wish him well. Calvin Ridley as well stepped away from football to take care of his mental health. So I just wanted to highlight that, take a second, um, applaud those guys for having the the strength and the uh, the strength to come out and talk about those things. Something that continues to need to be talked about uh, in different circles. So I wanted to take a second to applaud those guys before we got into our last point. Uh, so AJ Brown. Thank you for coming out and having the courage to come out and share. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to do things like that. But as we move into our, our goodbyes here, Andrew, I wanted to get any final thoughts you have on the New Orleans Saints going in uh, to week 11 against the Philadelphia Eagles. What are your final thoughts uh, that you want to leave with the Houdat Nation before they go into that matchup? This has been a very roller coaster season. I think you could say just be patient. I think this team is a good football team with a good core in place. I think going into this game, Saints lead on their defense like they've had all season and just enjoy it. I think that if you can enjoy this team for every win that they get and, you know, all the ups, and I guess, you know, you've got to be with the downs too. But when you look at this team, you feel like they're a playoff team. Beyond that, I think everyone just kind of has to be, you know, we'll see what happens after if they make the playoffs. But it just feels like this, if you could kind of just celebrate every win and kind of keep the season in stride, it feels like, for me, I've had a much more fun time doing that uh, with some pressure I feel like off, especially with Trevor Simeon as your quarterback. If you like, you know, even if this team doesn't go all the way, you're still happy with, you know, how hard they've been playing. And look, the wins that they haven't got over the last few weeks definitely have stung because they feel like winnable games. But I feel like if this team leans on their stars, leans on their big player, leans on their coaching, does enough in the margins, uh, especially, I think, talk about the kicking. If you could just make your extra points, that'd be nice. The referees not to throw any, you know, phantom pass, um, roughing the passer penalties um, and just do do the good things in the margins. This team will get a lot of wins and because that's just how good this defense is. So. Let's go back to winning in the margins. That's kind of my motto here going into these next few weeks. And if they can do that, I think the Saints have a lot of success. As I've said before, I would like to see other teams face as much adversity as the New Orleans yeah. Saints have faced uh, through this season, whether Hurricane Ida, COVID. Forget about that. Yeah. yeah, all the way back to Saints. Remember, guys, before all of everything else that's happened, the Saints played a home game in Jacksonville. Yeah. The Hurricane Ida, uh, COVID in week two against the Panthers, injuries galore losing your starting quarterback losing your starting number one wide receiver the offensive player of the year just a few years ago uh the saints have overcame a lot uh this year and as you said i still think this is a playoff team i still think they're in good uh, a good position but like you said winning the margins uh, it's the small things it's the small things that count uh when you talk about wins and losses in the nfl well andrew uh before we let you go where can everybody follow you online tell everybody what you've been doing if you if they haven't been hanging out with us the last couple times you've been on the show yeah follow me at andrew galata on twitter and you know anything else but twitter is obviously the main part where you kind of find all my work uh yeah obviously been focusing on the giants if you guys 
uh, you know, in that area. And the Giants have their own set of uh, stuff to talk about as well. That's been an interesting season for them. Well, much of the same light with the Saints injuries, that type of stuff, navigating certain successes and failures. So that's definitely been a lot of fun. College sports as well. And that's been something I've been focusing on. So all that stuff, definitely check out my Twitter and you can find all that stuff out. And for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BT Boylan. Follow all of my New Orleans Saints work with the Saints News Network over on SI.com. I appreciate uh, all that you guys do in terms of listening to this podcast, reading the articles, keeping up with Andrew as I fill in for the season. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for continuing to, to hop on what seems like every other week to talk about the New Orleans Saints and take, take a little break from, from your day job. Uh, with the New York Giants. So thank you so much for coming on. As I said, follow Andrew over at Andrew Galata on Twitter, myself, Brendan Boylan at BT Boylan. Follow all of Andrew's work. Follow my work with the Saints News Network over on SI.com. Keep your eyes peeled as I have another documentary coming out here in the coming months, 94 the year the Hogs ran wild. Really excited about that one covering uh, the University of Arkansas's men's basketball team national championship in 1994. Well, that's all the time we have for the Houdat discussion. As always, find your peace, spread love, practice positivity, and we'll see you right back next week with the Houdat discussion podcast.